0: Today, to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew, the seventh chapter, if you would, and the 13th verse. Matthew, chapter 7, and verse 13. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to go into your word. We ask that. You would anoint me to say what it is that you want said. Anoint the ears of the people to hear what it is that it is you're saying from your holy written word. And as this message goes out, we trust it will touch those that need to be touched. Not only here in this auditorium, but also over the internet. As people listen to this around the world. And that it would go forth and do what you want done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Matthew 7 and verse 13, Jesus says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Titling this message today, The Two Gates. The Two Gates. Jesus described here in this passage two gates. And that's what the Spirit of God has put on my heart to talk about today the two gates. One is wide, the other narrow. One leads to a broad way, the other a difficult way. One leads to destruction in hell, the other leads to life in heaven. One through which many pass, the other through which only a few by comparison pass. One is a gate of truth, the other, a gate of deception as i said today i'm going to talk about these two gates i'm going to say some things about them which needs to be said which the holy spirit has laid upon my heart to say and i want to compare and contrast for you for anyone listening to this message whether in this auditorium or on the internet compare and contrast these two gates First of all, both are gates. But besides that, they have little else in common. Both gates declare to come just as you are. Both sing the song, just as I am, without one plea. Both gates are beautiful. Yet the wide gate is far, far more attractive and infinitely more beautiful than the narrow gate. But beware of the beauty of this wide gate, for it is a deceptive beauty culminating in death, destruction, and hell. The wide gate is more beautiful because it presents an easy and cheap way to heaven but is deceptive and actually leads to hell. The narrow gate is not as attractive as the wide gate, because in Jesus' own words, the narrow gate is hard, difficult, and demanding. The wide gate calls only for a mental acceptance of Jesus. It says, just pray a prayer and you are saved but demands no true heartfelt repentance before that prayer. The narrow gate is itself a gate of repentance. Repentance before heartfelt belief on and confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. The narrow gate requires repentance before the simple heartfelt prayer for salvation can be effectively prayed. The wide gate accepts Jesus as Savior. The narrow gate accepts Jesus as Savior, but also as Lord. It is not enough to accept Jesus as your Savior. That doesn't get you saved. It's not until you make Him the Lord of your life that you become saved. The wide gate says accept Him as Savior. But the narrow gate says you must make him Lord. The wide gate sees the name of Jesus as a mere password whereby one's ticket to heaven gets punched. The narrow gate requires a complete and total sellout to the Lord Jesus and takes seriously the travel of the narrow, difficult way. The wide gate calls a sinner to blessing only and does not mention hell. The narrow gate calls a sinner to blessing but also warns of the horrors of hell. The narrow gate is often misunderstood in that critics will say of the narrow gate that it is a gate of salvation by good works. But that is not true. The narrow gate simply says that repentance is is required before entry. The narrow gate says, repentance and faith in Jesus alone is the root of salvation and the good works that follow is the fruit of salvation. The wide gate does not demand evidence of a changed lifestyle while the narrow gate requires such evidence. The wide gate tolerates sin while the narrow gate requires sin to be laid down before entry. The narrow gate is a gate through which one cannot carry the baggage of a sinful lifestyle and self-will, nor can one carry the covetous desire for materialism. The wide gate says you can enter and still live like the world, while the narrow gate says come out from among the world and be separate. Both gates accept sinners the way they are. The wide gate allows them to stay that way, but the narrow gate demands a lifestyle change. Both gates welcome sinners. The wide gate makes them comfortable in their sin, while the narrow gate does not. Both gates accept and love sexual offenders, including homosexuals. The wide gate allows them to stay that way, but the narrow gate requires them to put away sexual sin. The wide gate is permissive and all-inclusive. That is one reason it is so wide. The wide gate declares that all religions lead to God and result in heaven. And that is a dangerous gate to be associated with. The wide gate does not clearly define what Christianity really is. While the narrow gate clearly defines it, in fact, the narrow gate is Christianity. The wide gate has few rules, few restrictions, few requirements, few regulations. The the, the wide gate says... We are about grace, and not about the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. Thus making the minister of the narrow gate look grumpy, mean, and not relevant to the modern time. This wide gate in actuality does not represent the grace of God, but rather a greasy grace. This greasy grace and the ministers of the wide gate ultimately lead the massive crowds right into the middle of the pit of hell. The narrow gate, however, stands upon the true grace of God, which is embedded upon the foundation of the Ten Commandments, which Jesus came not to destroy, but to fulfill. The grace of the narrow gate empowers one to keep The Ten Commandments. The wide gate says we're not about the thou shalt and the thou shalt not's. But the narrow gate says thou shalt have no other gods before me. The narrow gate says thou shalt not make idols. The narrow gate says thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The narrow gate says you cannot go to movies that take the name of the Lord in vain. The narrow gate says you cannot go to movies that profane the name of Almighty God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The narrow gate says you can't go to movies and read books and listen to things that take the name of the Lord in vain. You can't go to movies... And read books and things with sexual promiscuity in them. That's what the narrow gate says. The wide gate says go to the R-rated movies. Go to the movies that contain sin and profanity and sexual promiscuity. After all, everybody is doing it. Yeah, but the crowds line up to go in at the wide gate. And the end thereof is destruction. I don't know about you, but I don't want any part of the wide gate. I want the narrow gate. The narrow gate says, thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The narrow gate says, thou shalt honor your father and your mother. The narrow gate says, thou shalt not Murder. The narrow gate says thou shalt not commit adultery. The narrow gate says thou shalt not steal. The narrow gate says thou shalt not lie. The narrow gate says thou shalt not covet. That's what the narrow gate says. Wide gates, the ministers of the wide gate, the pastors that stand in front of the wide gate says we're about grace. We're not about the thou shalt and the thou shalt not's. And as they say that, crowds go through that wide gate and wind up in the pit of hell. But the minister of the narrow gate says, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, be serious about walking with Him, and then stand on those Ten Commandments. The wide gate requires no spiritual maturity, while the narrow gate by its very presentation produces spiritual maturity. The wide gate requires no commitment or sacrifice. The narrow gate demands both commitment and sacrifice. The wide gate is a gate of self-centeredness and self-absorption. The narrow gate demands the cross be taken up daily and the desires of the flesh crucified like the Apostle Paul who said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. The wide gate does not require one to be a student of God's word, whereas the narrow gate does. The wide gate elevates social activities and sports above the word of God, whereas the narrow gate puts these things secondary to the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The wide gate elevates social activities and sports above the word of God, whereas the narrow gate puts these things secondary to the word of God. The the, the narrow gate is not against social activities and, 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 and the narrow gate is not against sports, but the narrow gate says the word of God is more important than both of them. Both gates say... Both the wide gate and the narrow gate, both gates say God is not mad at you. The wide gate says he never gets angry or mad. But the narrow gate says that if we begin to practice sin, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The narrow gate says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men and further, The narrow gate says consider the goodness and the severity of God. You see the wide gate will only present you with the goodness of God. But the narrow gate presents you not only with the goodness of God but also with the severity of God. I'm going to say that again. The wide gate presents you only with the goodness of God, but the narrow gate presents you with the goodness of God and the severity of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, consider therefore the goodness and the severity of God. God is a good God. Don't misunderstand me in any way. He is a good God and it's the goodness of God that leads sinners to repentance. But there is also a judgmental and severe side to God. You must realize that preachers and ministers who stand at the narrow gate are usually not very popular. Notice if you would, 2 Timothy chapter four and verse two. And I'm going to read this out of the amplified version. 2 Timothy chapter four and verse two out of the amplified Bible. Talking about now ministers, preachers who stand at the narrow gate. Let's look at the characteristics of such an individual. Notice, herald and preach the word. That's what a minister does who stands at the narrow gate. They herald and they preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. That's not very popular. That's not going to cause the masses to show up to, to hear. When a man of God stands up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and declares the word of God and heralds the word of God and preaches the word of God, and begins to teach and preach things from the word of God that begin to show people in what ways their lives are wrong. That is not popular. But yet that is what the minister at the narrow gate does. The minister at the wide gate will look at the minister at the narrow gate and say he's grumpy, he's old-fashioned, he's old school, he's out of touch, he's not relevant. But I'm here today to tell you that I want to be as relevant as the word of God. And that's what a minister at the narrow gate does. They encourage, they uplift. If you read on, it says, and convince them, rebu- uh-oh, rebuking and correcting. See, that's what a minister at the narrow gate does. Convinces, rebukes, corrects, warns, and urges, and encourages. That all needs to be there. That all needs to be there. Beware of ministers and pastors that all they ever do is encourage and uplift. Beware of those people. Those are ministers of the wide gate. Ministers at the narrow gate will encourage you and they will uplift you at the narrow gate, but they'll also convince you, they'll rebuke you, they'll correct you, they'll warn you, they'll urge you, and they'll tell you at times in what ways your life is out of line with the word of God. Noting again where it says here, is a minister of the word of God to show people in what ways their lives are wrong. That's what a minister at the Narragate does. A Facebook post came some days ago from a person that Pastor Diane and I both know. They were sitting with their family in a church just prior to the start of the service and via their cell phone, they posted the following on Facebook. And here's what they said, I'm so glad we are in a church where we know that the pastor is not going to come out here and tell us about something we are doing wrong. We never have to worry about that in this church. We're always encouraged and uplifted. And I'm here today to say this, that when they walk through the doors of that church, they walk through the wide gate that leads to hell and destruction. This person would not attend a church where any of the prophets of the Old Testament or any of the apostles of the New Testament or even where Jesus Christ himself was the pastor. You need to understand that, that in this day in which we live, and really it's nothing new, but but in this day in which we live, there are so many Christians, they would not attend a church where the Lord Jesus was the Pastor. Because you see, Jesus encourages and he uplifts, but then he also says, uh, this is what you're doing wrong, you need to make it right. And if you don't make it right, judgment will follow. You need to understand that the apostles, when they would preach and teach, they weren't, they weren't very popular. And, and the Old Testament prophets, likewise, when they would preach and teach, uh, uh, it, it didn't make very many people happy. You know, the majority of people seem to always be looking for the easy way where little is required of them. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah had to deal with this. He told the people what God was saying. It was not popular or what they wanted to hear. It certainly wasn't what the king wanted to hear as the king took Jeremiah's prophecy and had it burned, and then ultimately threw Jeremiah in prison. While the false prophets, these ministers of the wide gate, see, Jeremiah was a minister of the narrow gate, these false prophets were ministers of the the wide gate, and they told the people what they wanted to hear. And they were exalted, yet Jeremiah, the minister of the narrow gate, winds up with his prophecy burned and in prison. And I just heard the Holy Ghost say on the inside, say this, not in my notes, but here's what he wants me to say, that the minister of the wide gate shows up to entertain you. To entertain you. To keep you amused. That's what the minister of the wide gate does but the minister of the narrow gate shows up not to entertain but to build you up in the word of God. The minister of the wide gate shows up to be popular. The minister of the narrow gate could care less about popularity with men but only wants to be pleasing to God notice if you would here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 i believe you're already there in verse 3 notice this it's going to talk about the characteristics of the crowds that show up at the wide gate let's look at, let's look at their characteristics for the time is coming when people will not tolerate, endure sound and wholesome instruction. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. These are people who show up at the wide gate. And these are ministers at the wide gate. The people have ears itching, tell me something I want to hear. Tell me something that's going to please me. Tell me something that's going to make me laugh. Tell me something that's going to make me chuckle. and there are ministers that are all too willing to do that but they're at the wide gate and you know where that leads verse 4 says and we'll turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions that's what you have at the wide gate notice if you would Matthew chapter 7 go back there if, if you would please with me And I'm going to read some verses here out of the Message Bible that I think are very, very eye-opening. Actually, we opened in Matthew 7 verse, I believe it was verse 13 in the New King James, but now I want to read some verses out of the Message Bible. As we read through these verses, I want to further point out to you the preachers, the pastors, the ministers at the wide gate... Because they're out there by the multitudes and you need to be aware that they're out there and you need to know the characteristics of such. I've already mentioned some things, but I think that these passages will drive it home even more. Matthew chapter seven, verse 13 in the message Bible, Jesus is speaking and he says this, don't look for shortcuts to God. Talking about the wide and the narrow gate. He says, the market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life. And the market out there is flooded right now with books by ministers and preachers that will tell you how to have a successful life. Tell you how to be happier. And while I want you to have a successful life and I want you to be happier, I don't want you to just hear one side of the story. There's the goodness of God, but there's also the severity of God. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life. That can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. How many of you know the crowd is not always right? Yeah, there's a big crowd over there. Let's go line up with them. Yeah, but they might be in a line headed to hell. You wanna get in that line? Don't fall for that stuff even though crowds of people do. Verse 14, the way to life, to God is vigorous and requires total attention. That's the narrow gate. Notice verse 15, be wary of false preachers who smile a lot. I didn't put that in there. That's what... The message Bible says. Yeah, Pastor Terry, he's up there in the pulpit. He's bold and he's, you know, he's just old school. He's just an old grump. I like to have fun. I like to smile. I like to, but you need to be watchful of somebody that's smiling all the time, always telling you good stuff all the time. That's where, you, that's where the problem comes in. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. And I might add, or I might comment, it's a better way to say it, who refuse to take a stand against sin and are all inclusive, who only and always preach the good stuff from the Bible. Be wary of those. They refuse to talk about the consequences of sin and the subject of hell. Avoid those preachers like you would the plague because they stand at the wide gate beckoning beckoning you to enter and the end thereof is hell. The Bible says chances are they're out to rip you off some way or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. I'm gonna read that again. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. Now, what they say is important, all right, but I, I've learned this over the years. It, it's more important to have character. Believe me, you'd rather have somebody as your pastor that has character. If you had to choose between someone that smiled all the time and was charismatic and could preach and just was very, very good with oratory skills, if you, but yet but yet no moral character if you had to choose between that or a pastor that maybe he couldn't preach so well maybe he couldn't speak so well but he had good moral character I would much rather have the good moral character with someone who might not be able to speak so well than the charismatic person that can speak well but there's no character who preachers are is the main thing not what they say a genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. And when a preacher stands and they say, you know, if you'll give in to this offering or if you'll, you know, send money to my ministry, there's going to be some kind of miracle debt cancellation or if you'll put in a dollar, you're going to get a hundred back and all of that nonsense which the Bible does not teach. Those are ministers at the wide gate, and all they're interested, they're not interested in your soul, they're just interested in your money. And they are to be avoided. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. Notice verse 21. Knowing the correct password. Listen to this. Knowing the correct password. Saying, Master, Master. This is Jesus talking. He says, knowing the correct password. You see, at the wide gate, uh, uh, the, the, the name of Jesus is nothing more than a mere password. But Jesus here says, knowing the correct password saying, master, master, or calling Jesus, Lord, Lord, for instance, notice what he says, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. Can anybody say amen? amen? Don't be deceived to think that you can just say, Jesus, Jesus, and that's gonna get you into heaven. He said it right here. He said what is required is serious obedience doing what my Father wills. Are you saying that our good works can win our salvation? That's not what I said. What I said is that you get saved by repenting of your sins and and trusting in Jesus with your whole heart. That's how you get saved. That's how you miss hell. That's how you make heaven. That's how you enter through that, that narrow gate. But you see, if you've really entered through that narrow gate, you're going to sell out to the Lord Jesus, there's going to be a lifestyle change, no, you're not going to be, be perfect, no, no more than I'm perfect, you're still going to miss it and all of that, just like I've missed miss it and all of that, I'm not, that's not what we're saying here, but what we are saying is that if you just walk up here to the front and say Jesus is Lord, and then you go out and you, you're, there's no lifestyle change, uh, th- what I am saying is you didn't go through the narrow gate, you went through the wide gate. Just saying Jesus is Lord isn't going to get you saved unless it comes from a repentant heart and you're serious about selling out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, but John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will be saved. Yes, but that word believe doesn't mean just have a mental assent. It means that you totally and completely sell out to him. I'm not talking about salvation by good works. I'm talking about about salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. But once that salvation power hits your heart, you seriously serve him from then on. That's what the narrow gate is all about. The wide gate is just say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus, Jesus, master, master, and then just go right on through and never change. There's never never any change of heart. Those people went through a wide gate and wind up in hell. Verse 21 again, knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't gonna get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. Verse 22, I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me, strutting up to Jesus, and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You have to understand and the spirit of God wants me to get this across to you and anyone listening on the internet that these ministers that stand at the wide gate, many times they love crowds almost without exception. They love crowds more than they love people. They love crowds more than the souls of men, women, boys and girls. You see, because the vast crowd is what validates them and gives them status, notoriety, and fame, and acceptance among those outranking them in ministerial status. You want to be sure your pastor, whoever that is, loves you as an individual more than a crowd. Jesus said all the minister at the wide gate did was use Him to make themselves important. And he says, you don't impress me one bit, you're out of here. I don't want Jesus saying that to me. Verse 24, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. That's what I've preached to you today, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, Jesus said, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words, listen to this, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, Did you hear that? If you just use his words in Bible studies, but you don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter. I didn't say that. Jesus said that in the message version here. You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, the waves came up and it collapsed like a house of cards. So there are two gates There are two gates that stand before every person on planet Earth. One is wide and one is narrow. One is easy and the other is difficult. One is deceptive and the other is truth. God said in a verse in the Old Testament, He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and He said, You choose. So I've laid these two gates out in front of you today. I've compared them and contrasted them. The wide gate, the easy gate, it's the one that leads to, it's deceptive, looks good, smells good. Everybody lined up in front of it. No demands, no requirements. Do whatever you wanna do. But it ultimately leads to hell. The narrow gate, isn't as, it isn't as much fun as the wide gate. It's a hard, difficult way. It's a disciplined way. You can't do whatever you want to whenever you do it. You do what Jesus wants you to do when he says do it. Over here, at the wide gate, he's just your savior. You wind up in hell. Oh yeah, I, oh yeah. Over here, he's your savior and your Lord. See, that goes against, I can sense in the spirit, that goes against what a lot of people think, wait a minute, isn't it enough to have Jesus as Savior? No, it's not. Look at the Bible, study the Bible sometime. When it mentions him as Savior, it also p- puts in there Savior and Lord. Real loud, say Savior and Lord. See, the people that want Him just as Savior, they want their ticket punched to heaven so they can just continue. They want want their security to go to heaven, but they just want to go on living their own sinful lifestyle. It's not enough to have Him as Savior. The Bible says it's not enough. Romans 10 and 9 says, If we'll confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about confessing Him as Savior. It's confessing Him as Lord. The teaching that we've heard over the last year say just make Him Savior, just make Him Savior, just make Him Savior, just call Him Lord. But I've shown you today that in and of itself is not enough. You must come with a repentant heart, with a heart sold out to Him and then accept Him and make Him the Lord of your life. And in so making Him Lord, you also receive Him as Savior. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? And then the salvation power of God kicks in and you get saved. Yes, he's our savior, all right, but you can't get to that saving power unless you're willing to make him Lord. That's what I'm saying. And that goes against much, that and people that just wanna continue in their sinful ways, see, that makes them grimace. Well, that's why God has me here today. You're the one that needs to hear this to get to the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to get Him as Savior, you must make Him Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. So there's two gates, a wide one and a narrow one. One leads to hell, the other leads to heaven, and God leaves the choice with you. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I trust here today with heads bowed and eyes closed. I trust here today that I have been able to present these two gates to these wonderful people that are here today as well as those listening on the internet. I came and did what you told me to do. I believe I've obeyed you to the best of my ability. Sir, you know I didn't come today to win a popularity contest, but I came because I love the souls of men and women and boys and girls. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would move upon the hearts of everyone listening to this message. And as these gates have been, I believe, made abundantly clear that each one here today would be able to make a wise choice and that they would, I pray for the people that they would choose wisely. I realize that many of the people listening to this message have already made that decision and they've already walked through that narrow gate. But perhaps there are some here today or even listening by internet that this was a wake-up message to them and they've come to their senses and they've thought, oh my, I've been a wide gate enter- enterer and I've, been, I've come in through a wide gate And I see now that that gate is not the gate I need to have gone through. Well, run back out that gate. Get out of that wide gate. Leave that wide gate. And enter the narrow gate. Where Jesus is that gate. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to heaven except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Allah won't do it. Buddha won't do it. Harry Krishna won't do it. Sun Young Moon won't do it. Joseph Smith won't do it. Moroni won't do it. I'm talking about the Mormon religion. There's no salvation power in Joseph Smith or in Moroni. Yeah, but aren't those good, nice people? Yeah, they're good, nice people, but you can be a good, nice person and wind up in hell. You see, you have to tap into the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Buddha stands at the wide gate. Joseph Smith and Moroni of the Mormon faith stand at the wide gate. Allah stands at the wide gate. Isn't Allah and Jehovah the same? No, they're not. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He's the only way. He is that narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow gate. And it's by Him you must go through with a repentant heart, calling on the name of the Lord, believing with all of your heart upon Him and His grace and His mercy. And that and that alone saves you. But you've done it with a serious heart. You go through that gate and then you serve Him. And you follow Him all the days of your life. You live right, walk before Him and abide by the Ten Commandments. They don't save you, but once you're saved, you're empowered to keep them. Hallelujah. Whether you know it or not, this message today is the only thing that's going to save this country. Now I didn't, and, I, and, 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 and I'm not saying it's the, what I, me, what I've said, I'm not talking about me, that, that it's this one message. I'm talking about this is the message that needs to be heralded from the pulpits of America. I said, this is the message that needs to be heralded from the pulpits of America. The devil got this nation through the pulpits of America. And through preachers that are more interested in being popular than they are being pure. And so the message of the word of God has been watered down. And the wide gate used to be presented to people and now it's, I'm sorry, the narrow gate used to be presented to people and now it's the wide gate. But this message heralded from the pulpits of America is the only message that's, that, that, that gives this nation a chance. And then the people have to respond. The Christians of this nation need to fall back more in love with Jesus Christ than they are in love with their local baseball team. They need to fall back more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ than they're in love with their football team. I'm not against baseball, I'm not against football, but, but I'm telling you, Christians have fallen, they're more in love with baseball, football, golf than they are in Jesus. We need to love Jesus more than anything else. We need to love Him more than football, more than baseball, more than crocheting, more than knitting, more than going to the mall, more than going to the flea market, more than going to the garage sale. We need to love Him more than our spouse. We need to love Him more than our children. We need to love Him more than our pet. Can you say amen? We need to love all those, don't misunderstand me, but we need to love Him more. I heard the spirit of God. He reminded me of this. Jesus said that you must, in order to be worthy to be called his disciple, you have to love him so much that by comparison, it looks like you hate even your mother and your father and your children and your brothers and everything else. Do you remember him saying that? The way he said it, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus said. We must love him more. So much more that by comparison, it looks like we hate all these other things even though we don't. We love all these other. We just love Jesus so much more. Oh, if the Christians of this nation would fall back in love with Jesus again and love him more than anything else. And this message here would be heralded from the pulpits and the people would respond because you see the revival in this nation if there were to be one needs to be among the people of God among the people of God and you get the people of God back on fire you get churches looking like churches again instead of rock, rock and roll arenas you get churches with the power of God in them again you get churches in them on fire where the power of the Holy Ghost is flowing and the healing power of God is in manifestation. <laughs> Glory to God. And the sinners would be drawn to it. Hallelujah. So you have this door before you. Two of them. Choose wisely, come through the narrow gate come through the narrow gate. Jesus said the way would be hard, but the end thereof is eternal life and a reward that's unspeakable and full of glory. So I encourage you today, if you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we dismiss this service, I want to encourage you to come to the front as quick as you can and sell your life out to the Lord Jesus Christ and enter that narrow gate. If you're here today and maybe you realize I've been in this wide gate and I want to get back, I want to get in the narrow one, come up, they'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Examine yourself. Examine yourself examine yourself which gate have you walked through hallelujah 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 Christianity has been so watered down dear friends this nation was founded by Christians founded on the word of God The Word of God needs to be back in public schools. The Ten Commandments need to be post- posted on the doors of public schools. My, my, my. You can trace these problems we have in our nation back to that time when they kicked God out of the public schools. My, my, my. Well, I'm glad I came today. I sense the anointing of God here today. Hallelujah. I believe this service is making a difference in people's lives. Not because I preach it, but because it's the word of God. Father, I pray for us all that we'd all Walk worthy of the calling by which you've called us. That we'd be lights in our community, lights on the workplace. And that when people saw us, they'd see the joy of the Lord and they'd see something that that they don't have that they